Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. I'd like you to welcome the Executive Director, Nancy Ashley. I forgot to read the scripture. <laughs> you did. You notice that? Yeah. I did. <laughs> oh, well. the, the, the roof's going to cave in because I forgot <laughs> to read that. So we wanted to just kind of catch up a bit. And um, so, Nancy, if you could just talk for a moment about uh, what's happening at Powerhouse, what, what you guys are facing, uh, both opportunities, challenges, the season that you're in, if you could just give us kind of an update about that. Yeah, um, if you know anything about Powerhouse, you know we're kind of founded on Isaiah 61, uh, which is the passage that talks about um, how the Lord has anointed us to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. And that is what we've been about for nearly 30 years. And um, But if you know, it goes on in that passage to say that these very people that were once brokenhearted and in captivity, they are the ones that after they are healed, they become the restorers and healers of the city. They rebuild the devastation. And that is what we're seeing at Powerhouse right now, which is so exciting. We're seeing people not only get saved and healed and um, become transformed personally, but we are seeing them transform the lives of their families, their neighborhoods, and even the city. And so that's a super exciting thing. But that also means that as they, as God is working in their life, it's kind of contagious, and it's drawing more people to come in because it's inspiring hope in people that that might happen for them as well. And so we are growing, and because we're growing, we need more people that are willing to invest in um, that process of life transformation. So we are having a volunteer training uh, March 6th, beginning March 6th, for three Tuesday nights. We have information at our booth, so I'm just... Yeah, good. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Because we really need people that want to get involved in that way. Our facilities are aging; they're too small, and so that's a challenge right now. And of course, finances are an ongoing challenge and a place to really trust God. And so, talk a little more about the the facilities and what some of the stirrings are with that. Okay. So our Wales facility, where our Women and Children's Transformation Center is, our oldest facility, and it's a modular building as well as a permanent structure. The modular has far outlasted its time, as you guys are well acquainted with the modular scene, right? So we either have to put a lot of money into it to restore it, or we need to find another facility or build one. And it's really not suited for what we're doing. That wasn't its original intention. So right now, we are in the process of negotiating on a building here in town that would enable us to eventually double our capacity. And um, we're super excited about it, but we have no money going into it. We're just, <laughs> we're just stepping out and <laughs> believing that, that if that's what God has for us, that he's going to open some doors. And our other building, our, our Market Street facility, is in much better shape, but we are bursting at the seams. I don't know if you have any fire marshals here or anything. but Probably not. Good. Okay. Well, we regularly <laughs> exceed our, our yeah. limits there. So that's another concern. We ask people to leave their vocation at the door when they walk in. Good. Yes. That's a good thing so, to know. <laughs> good. Well, one of the things that, that uh, 
we certainly feel, and if you feel this just sitting there, then you're tracking with what I'm hoping, and that is that Powerhouse has been a voice of those who are uh, forgotten for a long time. They are coming upon an opportunity for potentially having the need for resources, money, and other uh, resources to help them move into a new facility if, if God provides that. And we certainly want to be a church and individuals who get behind that fully. And so as that develops, we'll, we'll share more information so we can stay on track. Something happened. We didn't plan this. Uh, obviously, we did it in the first service, but prior to this morning, we hadn't planned it. But you had an interesting experience when you came onto the property today. So tell everyone about that. I got here a few minutes early, so I um, drove up Oak Avenue to the very end and parked and just was spending some time praying. And, and I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me about this church. Um, and, you know, as I looked backwards, I could see that even though you're called Oak Hills, you weren't actually at the top of the hill. And I, I felt like the Lord was saying that there was more. That what you've experienced up to this point is great, but there's more. And I noticed the fact that as I looked up the hill, you couldn't get up the hill from where I was unless you got out of your car and either got on a bike or got on foot. And I felt like what the Lord was saying in that is that the new place that he's taking you to, you're not going to be able to get there in the old ways that you've gotten there. That God's doing a new thing, and um, it's going to require more out of you. I just went on a really long bike ride on the Johnny Cash Trail and it required everything I had to get up that hill that went on for 40 minutes. So I don't know what it looks like for you, but I believe that this next season is going to require more. But you know, there's nothing like being on a bike or being on foot to, to be able to experience what God's doing, his creation. And I feel like it's going to be harder but it's going to be even more beautiful and more amazing than what you've experienced so far. You guys have always been on the cutting edge of what God's doing. I love seeing how God's used you to go ahead of everybody else, and I feel like where he's taking you is you guys are some of the first that are going to experience what he's going to do in the larger body of Christ, so I'm super excited about it. That's awesome. That's good. Well, Nancy is here to teach us and share with us what God has shared with her. She's already done that. Obviously, but I want to invite you to pray as she comes to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for who Nancy is and for uh, the gifts she has, the passion she has, and the leadership she's shown in this community, and in particular the way she has modeled giving a voice to those who often don't have one and caring for those that are often forgotten. And so we are thankful for her, for Powerhouse, for the ministry. We pray. Uh, even in these early days of stirring and rumbling, that your spirit would be at work regarding these new facilities, that people will emerge who have a vision and a heart for the ministry, and that uh, Nancy and her team will walk in step with you as this process unfolds. And we trust you with that. In spite of what looks like a lack, we recognize that when you go in front of us, that Amazing things happen, miraculous things happen, and we trust that to you as it relates to Powerhouse in the future. As Nancy teaches us today, give power to her words and give us ears that can hear, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We do the scripture. If you stand for our scripture reading, it's from Matthew chapter 11, page 977. I'm going to read verses 28 through 30. 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I'm so privileged to be here this morning. Um, you may not know this, but Oak Hills is an important part of how Powerhouse is what it is today. You guys, with your unwavering support over the last almost 30 years, has been amazing. And your belief that God was doing something through the work at Powerhouse has meant a lot to me personally, as well as to all of us at Powerhouse. I had to laugh when Mike uh, called me and told me what he wanted me to teach on. I thought I was just going to share about Powerhouse. And he said, no, I want you to talk about less striving and more rest. Now, if you know me very well, you know that is laughable because left to my own devices, I'm a type A person. I see what needs to be done, and I want it done yesterday. And I'm a perfectionist who desperately wants approval, and I believe that the only way to achieve that is to never make a mistake. So... That's who I am, and when I gave my life to the Lord, I took that baggage into my spiritual walk. And um, rather than being an asset, I have found that these are the very things that get in the way of me allowing God to do what he wants to do in my life. And they actually keep me enslaved to the belief that I can never do enough, be enough, or have enough to be successful or gain approval. And they've left me exhausted and always trying to work harder, faster, longer, smarter. Um, And I don't think I'm the only one. I know your issues might be different than mine, but I know that all of us are bombarded daily with this message from our society that we have to do more and be more than we are. And our world is changing so quickly that we know that if we don't keep up, we're quickly left behind. Those who rest, they lose. I love how God's answer to our dilemma is always the opposite of what we would think. He says, come to me and rest. I know you're exhausted. I know the burdens that are heavy on your shoulders. Come, leave all of that and come, sit with me. My mother is 90 years old, and um, when I go to be with her, the first thing that she always wants me to do is sit on the couch with her as close as I can possibly get, and then just be. (laughs) And, you know, my life is pretty busy and hectic, and I will tell you, it's one of the hardest things to do is to just go and sit. And sometimes we talk, and sometimes we don't. But she just wants me to be there next to me. And that's the picture I believe that um, Jesus is painting for us. That he wants us to just come and be. To rest rest in his arms. To let him reassure us of his love. To let his peace wash over us. He says, give me that load that you're carrying. Press into me. Get as close as you can. And then take my yoke. Put that around your neck instead of the yoke that you've been carrying. 
So we know that's an agricultural reference, and it's a picture. The yoke is a picture of the yoke that they would put over the oxen. And what they would typically do is take an ox that was experienced in plowing and link him up with one that was less experienced so that the less experienced ox could learn how to plow. I personally, I like the image better of like a horse and its rider. Um, you know, I, I've been riding horses since I was a little girl, and I, I remember that when you had a horse that you had been with a long time, that that horse could almost read your mind, not quite, but just any, any variance in your weight or the horse knew how to respond. Or dancers, if you see dancers that have been together a long time, you see that, that they can anticipate what each other are going to do. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus is talking about here. He wants us to live in this, this connected partnership with him where we instinctively know where he's going and what he's going to do. In John 15, Jesus tells us that the relationship he wants to have with, that, with us is that of friends and not slaves. Slaves, they do what they're told, right? But friends that have relationship, they understand why they're doing what they're doing. And that requires asking questions and listening for answers. Lord, what are you wanting to do in me right now? What promises have you made that I need to be reminded of and hold on to in this season? How do you want me to respond to what's happening? And at least for me, those answers don't come in five minutes before I grab my coffee and rush out the door, right? It takes time. It's time to get quiet inside so that I can hear. As we develop that kind of relationship with God, that's where we find rest for our souls. And that voice that constantly tells us that we have to do more, be more, and have more, it's finally silenced. And only silenced by friendship with God. Because in that place of friendship with God, we can truly rest because we know that we're exactly where we need to be and doing exactly what we need to do. How many know that that kind of rest takes work? The writer of Hebrews says that we are to be diligent to enter into the rest that God has for us. I love that not only do we have to be persistent to enter into rest, but I love that God is relentless in pursuing us until we get to that place where we go, I give up. i got to come close to you because I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of myself. My own journey into rest began with a longing to do something big for God. Really big. That probably doesn't surprise you knowing that I'm a type A person, right? And I'll never forget the day I was reading my Bible. And I was reading the story of Mary who broke the jar of perfume over Jesus. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, the biggest thing you could ever do for me is to waste your life on me. That wasn't the answer that I wanted from him. But I want to read you that passage. Um, Mary, the Mary that it's speaking of, is the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And you're probably pretty familiar with this story. This happens a few chapters before the story that I, that I just spoke to you about. It's in Luke chapter 10, in, beginning in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha's doing what needs to be done, right? She's preparing the meal. She's tending to the needs of her guests. She's making things perfect for Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, she's sitting at Jesus' feet, like hanging on every word. She's totally oblivious to the fact that the turkey needs to come out of the oven. It needs to be sliced. The potatoes need to be mashed. The wine needs to be poured. And Martha is getting more and more anxious. She's like, doesn't she get it? If she doesn't come help me, this meal is going to be ruined, and that's actually going to be dishonoring to Jesus and the disciples. And so she goes to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, come on, do something. And I love his words to her. She says, Martha, you are worried about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen what was necessary. That really gets my attention. Jesus says, Martha, I'm guarding that thing in her, and I'm not going to allow you or anyone else to take it away from her. Mary hung on Jesus' words. And a few chapters later, she's the only one that understood what season they were in and what was about to take place, that Jesus was about to die on the cross. And she anoints Jesus with her perfume for his burial amidst the criticism of the other disciples around her. But more than anybody else who was there, she was in exactly the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, the thing that was going to bring the greatest results. And here we are thousands of years later talking about her. That really speaks to me because I've done a lot of stuff in my life. And frankly, I don't want to do stuff anymore. I want to do stuff that counts, stuff that's fruitful, and stuff that's productive. And Jesus says, if you want to be doing the right thing at the right time, then you have to do less striving and you've got to rest. In my own life, just about the time I was getting comfortable with wasting my life on Jesus, spending time being with him, he began to break my heart. For a people who had lost hope, that believed that they were too far gone, for God to not only love them, but to even want to rescue them. And that there was no way that they could ever be any different. When you spend time with Jesus, it always gives birth to action. God will always stir something in your heart. And as I sat there and and just felt his heart, he began to make that verse so much more real to me of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he couldn't stand it any longer. He had to go. He had to do something. For me, that meant that I went to the streets of Folsom. It was me and him. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I had to go, and I knew he loved people. And he put me in situations where I didn't know what to say, but I knew that God wanted to say something, and I had to listen to him to know exactly what to say. I knew I could give a bag of food, or I could give him a night in a hotel, but that really wasn't going to fix it that Jesus was the only one that could fix it. And I had to listen to him. I had to have his wisdom. I had to have his insight. I had to have his power to heal and restore. 
I learned later that I couldn't even make people willing to be changed. And I learned that the process of transformation is slow and painful and messy. But my part was only to stay close to him and be sensitive to what he wanted to do. He's my closest friend and my partner, and I love walking with him into complicated, messy situations and seeing what he does. But a full confession, that's the easy part. The hard part for me is running a ministry. There are staff to hire and invest in. There's a budget that's always smaller than the need. There's facilities that are aging and don't accommodate the expanding work God's doing. A board and donors that I have to answer to. And this is where I'm really tempted to strive because I think I can see what needs to be done. And the line between what is my responsibility and what's God's responsibility gets really fuzzy. And in the midst of the pressure, I often forget to rest and press into him and let him lead. But God continues to be relentless in teaching me. About five years ago, we began to notice a really disturbing trend among our teens. A lot of these kids had grown up at Powerhouse. We were the place they came when their parents were loaded or absent or whatever and they would get their hair cut they might get shoes to play soccer they met Jesus and they began to get a vision for their lives and more and more of them were staying in school and graduating from high school and they actually began to believe what we were telling them which was you can do anything and God with God anything is anything is possible but then they would turn 18 and when they turned 18 and they no longer had a welfare check to give mom Mom was saying, you need to go get a job or get out. I can't support you anymore. And so these kids that we had raised from the time they were little, they were falling away. Some of them were moving into drug houses or they were running drugs themselves. And we just began to cry out to God as a team and say, Lord, we can't continue to give these kids hope and then not make their dreams possible. And so what we wanted was we wanted to start a residential program for these 18 to 24-year-old kids where we could help them with some of the um, foundations that they didn't get in growing up and help them launch their dreams. So I wanted to do it right then, but I knew it wasn't the right time. We were already experiencing a financial downtrend, not only in our nation, but also at Powerhouse. We had laid off staff. And so we prayed, we kept it, we just kind of held on to it, going, okay, Lord, when is it, when, when is the right time? And about a year later, um, we saw an even further drop in donations. It definitely wasn't the right time. And all this time, I'm talking to the Lord, going, God, I know you're putting this in our hearts, and yet, I don't know how you're going to do it. Well, about two years after that, a woman in your church, Linda Fowler, came to me and said, I have this crazy idea. I want to do this concert, and I want to do a really good concert at the Harris Center and, so, and raise money for Powerhouse. Well, that was great. So um, we got on board with that and um, thought, okay, that, that would be amazing. We met with the Harris Center and told them our idea, and they said it won't work. We've tried raising money for the college, and it just doesn't work. Well, Linda is crazy, crazy amazing. And she's like, no, it's going to work. I believe this is what God said. But she said, there's one more thing. 
I really feel like it shouldn't be a fundraiser for Powerhouse. It should be a fundraiser for a specific project. Do you have a specific project? I said, this leadership academy, residential academy that we want to do for our youth. And she thought that was great. She said, that's amazing. She went out. She started recruiting sponsors for it. So I came to my board. I, I had not told them that part. And I uh, came to the board meeting and said, yeah, we're doing the concert. It's on, it's on board and things are happening. And, and by the way, it's going to benefit the, this leadership academy that we want to start. And they, they kind of took a deep breath and looked at me and they said, you don't have any money to start this thing. And that's where reality hit. And I panicked. And I thought, here we are. We're raising money. We're getting people to sponsor this concert. And we don't have any money to launch a program. And, you know, um, the thoughts that went through my mind were, what if we got all these people to do it and we couldn't deliver? We actually couldn't open. And so I thought at this point that the concert would raise about $30,000, which was substantial, but not enough to purchase or rent a facility to do this in, and definitely not enough to fund the program, which we thought was about 90000 a year. So I went into full striving mode, right? I didn't exactly know what to do, but full striving mode looked like being really, really scared and thinking that it was my responsibility now to make this thing happen. And I literally had to fight myself to get into a place of rest with God. But when I finally did, when I finally got quiet enough to listen, God spoke to my heart. You might not recognize him because it doesn't really sound like scripture, but he said, Nancy, I got this. And I knew it was the Lord, and it just kind of undid something in my heart. And I said, okay. So we went forward with the concert. It was amazing. It brought in nearly $60,000, which was double what we thought it was going to bring in. People were so excited about it that money began to trickle in. And a husband and wife came to us and said, God's put it on our heart to purchase a home for you to start this residential leadership academy so the concert happened in february in august we closed escrow on the house and by december god had brought in the full ninety thousand dollars to run the program amazing and i had learned (laughs) that i can trust god's timing and his leading even in the ministry the past this past year has been the most challenging year in my personal life Resting and leaning into Jesus has become the only way that I could make it through. God has asked me to do things that I never thought I could do. He's asked me to make decisions that I never thought I would have to make. And I just want to add, you know, as we're learning how to press in and get close to Jesus and hear his voice, it's super important that we're in community. I had a strong community around me where I could test out the things that I was hearing. That's important for all of us because we don't hear perfectly. I had other men and women that were praying for me and with me. And um, they helped me to be able to filter out what was God and what wasn't. God exposed areas that I thought I had surrendered in my life but found out I was actually desperately holding on to control. Places where I had valued looking good rather than actually being whole and healthy. And he exposed where my theology, my thoughts about who he was and what he did and didn't do, 
were keeping me from hearing what he wanted to say to me. And he challenged me most of all that the message of scandalous grace that I was preaching to other people, I actually needed to receive for myself. Amazingly, this past year has been the most productive and fruitful year yet. I've come to the place in my life where resting and being as close to Jesus as possible is no longer an option. It's my first priority. I'm recognizing sooner when I take on loads and burdens that I shouldn't be carrying and when I'm starting to strive And I'm learning to stop during the day because it's not enough for me anymore to spend time in the morning getting centered and knowing what God's speaking to me. But during the day, I get caught up in the chaos and the different demands. And to be able to stop and go, Lord, okay, I need to get quiet. I want to hear you. I need to rest. Tell me what you're saying in this situation. These are challenging days for all of us challenging times for our nation. And not unlike Mary, we are in significant strategic times. As Christians, I believe that more than ever, we need to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. The thing that is important and necessary, not a lot of stuff. And I feel like God is calling us more than ever to be a people of rest, not just for Lent, but as a lifestyle, where we are sitting at his feet, hearing from him, what season is it right now? What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be responding? What do I let go? What do I take on? I believe that's going to look different for each one of us. But I believe that it's the only way that we are going to survive and bring healing and restoration to our world, which so desperately needs it. Less striving and more resting. That's the way Jesus created us to live. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so in awe of the fact that you not only gave your life for us, but that you call us friends. That you want to work in us and through us and with us. And yet we always think that we can do it without you or that we're supposed to do it without you. Lord, will you so convince our hearts that we need you that we run to that place of rest rather than avoiding it. God, would you teach us how to take your yoke on us, how to have courage to to let go of the things that you haven't called us to carry even though they look necessary. God, will you place us in the right place at the right time so that what we do makes a difference so that what we do is the thing that you are doing. Lord, sensitize us to hear your voice. And God, do what only you can do. 
in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you. And I just pray that this week as you go out, that you will be stopped in your tracks. That just like me, as you go through your day, that God will make you more and more aware when you are striving. And that he will bring you into that place of rest and speak to you in clearer ways than you've ever heard him before. Bless you. Have a great, great week.